what we'll do is like it's recording yep. now awesome and what we'll do is if there's something funny said now we'll we'll just put it in so <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> be funny Andrew for God's sake I'm not like a dancing monkey you know, like... <laughs> My, should... my my sense of humor requires time and intelligence to perceive. So it's like yeah. a mature wine, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it gets there. <laughs> like a nice brie as well, you know. Classic cheese board. Classic cheese board. Hello and welcome to the Phantom Zone podcast, your comic book reading club. And this week I'm joined with the amazing Andrew Stelo. Hello, thank you Hello. for having me. Well, yeah, thank you for being here. And some of our listeners um, will know from me, obviously, talking about it in the past, you are our uh, logo designer. Yes. Yes, our amazing logo that I truly love and uh, <laughs> I... I I look at it fondly. <laughs> <laughs> I do need to do a few edits on it, don't I? But, uh... a, a few, but I do really love it. I think it really yeah. captured like the the vibe of the show really well. Yeah. Um, and you're, if you people don't know, obviously on our Instagram, we've also introduced you before. You mm. are a comic book writer and artist. Yes, when yeah. I can. <laughs> when I <get> <laughs> uh, well, tell us a bit about your work, Andrew, and uh, the things you enjoy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I started, I've always had an interest in comics, so that's that goes back to my childhood. Um, was drawing from a very young age, uh, but really kind of started to develop my artistry, I guess you'd say, uh, when I went to University of Dundee to mm. do their comics program. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, I've released uh, two self-published issues of my anthology comic tales from the border, mm-hmm. which is sort of like all strange kind of odd short stories yeah they're really um, cool i like i like them a lot oh cheers um, yeah, yeah. and i'm currently working on the third issue of that mm-hmm. um and i'm also illustrating a graphic novel by my good friend tim Vargulish, uh who has created lots of comics in the us and mm-hmm. we're doing a little kind of horror comedy comic called chimpanzee with a razor blade <laughs> Uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, the greatest revenge saga since the Count of Monte Cristo. Um, and yeah, it's just tons and tons of fun. Um, which um, I, I think I make a small cameo in. Yes, you've got your cameo in it. Uh, yeah. As a rather shocked waiter who discovers a scene of carnage. But then I also realized from that drawing, I look like... Um... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I look really much like when you showed that to me. I was like, "Did you did you just draw him?" I don't know. Where <laughs> yeah, I think Not... it's the hair as well in that because I it think is. that was like over lockdown when you had some longer hair as well. So I did. Uh, do you know yeah. what? I'm not insulted. He's a good looking man. No, know? yeah. Who wouldn't want to look like the Manuel Miranda? He, yeah, I mean, talented <laughs> and attractive. So he's one I'm... of the only people I know who can pull off a goatee. I totally agree. Do you know I've never had one though, so I don't know. Well, if, maybe you should try. Maybe I should. Maybe yeah. that'll be on the Instagram. Keep yeah. your eyes peeled for me with a coating. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's awesome, man. I really hope that you can come on for more as well, because oh, uh, me yeah. and Andrew talked about this podcast uh, a while ago, and mm. we, we did record one, which we might release as like a, a side special. episode. Yeah, yeah special yeah. reminiscing of the past about... Yeah. Um, episode 0.5. Yeah, 0.5. Yeah. Um, what It was on... Uh, what's his face? Oh, my God. 
Oh, Brubaker. Yeah, it was yes. uh, Reckless. That's reckless it, Reckless, Brubaker, which he's Phillips. done more now, so we, we do need to catch up with that. Oh, yeah, and they're so a, good as well. They're really good, really yeah. enjoyable, and we did that with our friend Rory as well. Mm. So, yeah, we'll, we should release that, and it's really awesome to get you on, man, because uh, yeah. I'd love to have you on more, and I'm sure people will love your insight because you're... In comparison to me, your knowledge on comic books is huge and, and uh, it's great to have somebody talented like yourself on as well to talk about art styles as well because I think that's yeah. something I love talking about the art but you can actually really go into the way I it's think, drawn. I uh, think talent and knowledge are two things that come with um, having no friends and just, <laughs> you know, being in the basement kind of percolating <laughs> and like kind of like some sort of weird fungus growing in a jar. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something where I was like, oh man, is Andrew going to be really pretentious or something here? And then it's like, nah, it's just living uh, in a basement. Being being a comic book artist is much like living in a Petri dish. I think (laughs) uh, it's it's just like very strange. Nobody really wants to see it growing. They only want to see the end result. Um, And it's definitely like not a sexy profession. (laughs) Well, there you go, listeners. If you've been thinking of getting into comic books, I guess don't. I don't (laughs) Nothing, and also getting to draw comics and and write comics is you start seeing all the things that other people are doing wrong, and it makes you hate comics more. <laughs> so that and that's the end of this episode. That was yes. that was all Andrew came on. Comics, comics are not worth reading. <laughs> it just makes you miserable. Six minutes in, <laughs> and that's the end of this podcast as well. Yeah. That's just the end of the series. Thanks yeah. for sticking in for five episodes. <laughs> um, no, it's great, man. So we're gonna. Obviously for us, we know, but for the listeners, well, you know as well, because it's probably the title of this podcast, but Mm. we are going to be reading today uh, or talking about, because we've already read it, uh, one of the best Superman stories ever. And Mm. it's great to have Andrew on because Andrew and I both bonded over our love of Superman comics, yeah, uh, particularly All-Star Superman, which I imagine we'll come on to in the future. Yeah, such a good comic. But we're going to be discussing Alan Moore's fantastic, maybe masterpiece in my opinion we could talk about maybe if it's not perfect what it what things could improve uh, mm. for the man who has everything uh, which is also uh, drawn by david gibbons as well yes which, uh, fantastic it was before they did watchmen and um it really i guess created a partnership that yeah. made one of the most iconic comics of all time um but before we do that we've got our segment, which unfortunately Simone's not here today to do the the jingle for it, but it's it's nerd news. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to take away from her talent. I'm just going to say it's nerd news. We're doing nerd news. There we go. Um, so it's a very anticlimactic way of doing nerd news. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I guess the biggest one this week in terms of comic nerd news is um, the start of Miss Marvel, which uh, yeah. I, we both watched. So Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I really liked it. Um, mm. I think I had the sense watching it that unlike the other um, Marvel shows, which I feel kind of really throw you into it, this seems to be taking its time a little bit more. Yes. Um, yeah. I felt like there was a heavier focus on on character development. Mm. Um, and also just like the visual style of the show was just kind of... Oh, I loved it. There was a real distinctive flair to it. And yeah. It just was different like, as well. Yeah, it was it was the animation, but also just like the camera movement sometimes. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. there was a scene where she kind of sits on a chair upside down and the camera kind of follows yeah. her. And it was just all these things that, you know, obviously if you if you appreciate good TV or, or, or cinema, you kind of see that in a lot of other movies. But mm. like sometimes with the MCU, they kind of lack that kind of I stylistic agree. filmmaking. I really agree um, with you. I, 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 yeah. I couldn't say it better. I think... 
when I was watching it, I was like something it reminded me of, uh, mm. particularly with co- comic book um, work, uh, is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that sort of unique camera styles, which I think play upon being a comic book. You know, yeah. and I think it was very aware that, like, yes, we're we're based upon a comic book, whereas I think sometimes as you say with the mcu it becomes a bit formulaic with yeah. the way it has to be shot and the way it has to look and this is definitely still the mcu you can it's not like oh my god it's revolution but it's gone in its own direction in its visual styles like the one that i really liked was when she was talking to her counselor in his office and like the camera sh- like did a sharp cut almost like a yeah. um uh, um oh, edgar wright style cut to yeah. the camera uh, to the clock then back to her when he's like, stay in the room, stay with me. And then they had like a split between the two of them, which yeah, was yeah. really good. I thought that was so well done. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think the only thing for me, and this might, you might disagree. I really liked everything up until we saw her powers for the first time. Yes. Um, I feel like, I don't know. It's obviously in the comics. I think she's an inhuman, which is why I think they've mm. they've kind of reset her powers in this to be more cosmic. But like, there's something really odd and strange about seeing her like embiggen, as she calls it in the comics, and like <laughs> grow really large or like mm. stretch her arms. Like it's really bizarre, and I kind of wish that they had brought that into the show a bit. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I um, think they've missed a trick with that. Like, I, I wish we had Simone on talking about uh, this one. It's unfortunately Chris and Simone uh, can't be here with us this week, but yeah. she wrote uh, for her. Uh, master's like uh, dissertation about uh, uh, female representation and so forth in like comic mm. books and she did quite a few and one of them was Miss Marvel yeah. and um, so I actually when we were watching it I hadn't read Miss Marvel and I yeah, just, same. yeah 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 and I had to like go back to like look at it and one of the things that I really liked and Simone pointed out to me why she was a bit disappointed with the reveal of her powers is in the comics when she like first starts to get the the, the powers come to her mm. um she has sort of like this really awesome like splash panel on the comic where she sees almost like a angel sort of version of Marvel, uh, Captain yeah. Marvel in front of her. And um, I feel like they've lost, like her reveal in the in the show was quite, quite like, I don't want to use boring because it wasn't boring, but like it was a very standard way to yeah. her to get her powers. Oh, yeah. she's put something on and everything's a bit weird now. And in the comic, it's like really not like that at all. It's very yeah, yeah. unique. And it's just a shame that the rest of the show was really unique as we're talking about. And we really liked the style that it went in. And yeah. then the way she got her powers was just very conventional. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear what you say as well. Because like, I don't know about you or the listeners, but I, mm. I think the sound mixing wasn't quite I good agree. enough. Because I yeah. was really struggling to understand what some people were saying. Uh-huh. And like, I had the volume at full on the TV and... It, I don't know, the voices were just get, a little Get bit a better TV, quiet. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of drifted a little bit in some scenes just because I wasn't like fully comprehending what people were saying. Mm. But, uh... No, I, I, I think I got that as well. And there were points where um, I think it was very much in her school because mm. maybe the sound mixing behind had like a lot of people talking, people were in the yeah. corridor. There were points where she was talking to her friends where I couldn't really hear what they were saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was just like, well, I guess they're chatting about something, you know. Yeah. Um, I agree with that, yeah. I think it is good, though, particularly, like, 
comparing it to the other, as we're saying, the other MCU TV, you know, shows they're doing now, um, or streaming shows, I should say. But um, my favorite one has been Loki of all of them. Yeah. Um, which I wasn't expecting to like that much because I, I never really got the love of Loki in the films. No. I liked him, but people really love Loki. Yeah. Um, and Loki's been my favorite. Then I'd probably say... Moon Knight? Yeah, Moon Knight was really good. I controversially have not finished it yet. Um, but what? <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of lost my way a bit with Moon Knight. Just yeah. like it by episode three, I just was like, okay, where, where, where are we going with this? Like, yeah. and I know people be like, oh no, episode three is where it gets really exciting. But I kind of was like, by episode three, I was like, this is becoming a bit like just get get to the to the point. I really like yeah. the comic. I guess it's loosely based on. Um, oh God, the one where he's in hospital when he wakes up and is that the jeff lemire one yes like i love that Um, a a close friend of mine who probably will come on this in the future as well toby um he was saying like oh no that nearer the end it starts to follow that more yeah um but i kind of was like (sighs) building up to it it's because that that comic by jeff lemire is like really Mm. not conventionally a superhero comic yeah and the show has to straddle the line between this is an mcu product and yeah. also we're trying to do something different. Well, and, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah. I don't know if you've watched episode five yet of Moon Knight. No. But um, I, will, I will go out on a limb and say, <laughs> and I know how crazy this sounds considering how good some of the episodes have been of Loki. Yeah. But I think episode five of Moon Knight is the best hour of TV that, that They've Marvel done. has put, ta- has put wow. out. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's well, I need absolutely to... phenomenal. Well, I'll stop making any judgment on Moon Knight <laughs> yeah. until I watch that then. I've, I can only say from Hawkeye, Falcon, Winter Soldier... Uh, Loki and Scarlet. Well, no, not Scarlet Witch. <laughs> Wonder Vision. Yeah. It's just a Scarlet Witch show. That's what it's called, it should be called. Um, I I actually really, really, really liked the first half of Wonder Vision. Yeah, I thought it was really good, and then the second half just kind of let me down a bit. Mm. Uh, but I would say this is the of all of them I've watched for an episode one. I really like when they go in a different direction, and I think that's why Loki. Mm. Uh, Wonder Vision. I was going to say Scarlet Witch again. Uh, Wonder Vision. It's because they just keep doing it. They keep going. She's the Scarlet Witch, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. we get it. She's <laughs> the Scarlet Witch. We got, we got it. But Wonder Vision and now Miss Marvel. I feel like their first episodes were the most like we're trying something different. Yeah. Whereas Falcon Winter Soldier, Moon Knight, and particularly Hawkeye, they mm. they feel very like this is the MCU. Mm. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it was good. We both liked it. Yeah, and I think uh, it's worth saying the the actress who plays uh, Kamala Khan is just oh, like perfect, really, casting. really good. Um, yeah, and I, I don't feel like we've got enough of a chance to see what she's going to do with the role yet, with it only being one episode. But I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing where where it goes. Yeah, me too. I I really like that she's really good as uh, Kamala Khan. Like perfect casting for her. Like I I like her sort of. Uh, the way she interacts with the world she's in, like all the drawings going behind her, it's clearly yeah. her her imagination. And yeah. uh, I loved that. I thought, and she does it really, really well. One of my favorite bits was actually her and her mum going shopping. Oh like, yeah, it was so that, good. It was so good. It was yeah. really good. And every, actually, to be honest, the casting for everybody's really good in it. You know, yeah. um, I think particularly one of the bits was her and her parents having their argument and he comes in as the Hulk. That was yeah. that was great. And then everybody's emotion afterwards, I was like, oh, like I did get a little bit like, oh God, that's yeah. painful. Was, that scene, for, for those who haven't watched it yet or whatever, mm. um, she wants to go to this like Avengers con 
uh, which is kind of like a comic book convention, but for obviously real life characters, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and which I quite liked as well, just to put in there. I yeah. think that's a core addition to the universe. Yeah, and her, her parents are like very kind of not sure that they want her to go um, because they want her to kind of be a more tr- traditional Muslim, basically, mm-hmm. um, and put family first and all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and she uh, basically asks her parents to go, uh, asks her for her asks her parents if she is allowed to go. There we mm. go. There we go. Um, we got there. We got there. Um, and possibly give her a ride because she doesn't have another way of getting there. And her parents say yes, but on the condition that her dad goes with her. And then they give her a Hulk costume that they've handmade and her dad comes into the room painted fully green in, oh, in this Hulk costume. It's so It's good. really funny. It's and then so funny. I also felt like Marvel did something a bit different there where Kamala Khan's reaction is quite negative yeah. and she's like I don't want you to embarrass me but yeah. as somebody who has gone to a comic con with my dad I was <laughs> watching that scene and was like really you're like getting a free ride and yeah. kind of showing interest in what you're in what you're interested in yeah they're, they're kind of meeting you halfway here just just let your dad go with you you're gonna have a good time you're gonna have a good time yeah. I agree like I I was like I think that's really good as well because their main character wasn't just this perfect person yeah. she is a teenager who's not bratty because she's very nice but yeah that was a bit of a bratty thing to do to be like yeah. you're gonna embarrass me she's and- not like an emotionally intelligent adult yet like she's yeah. still going through this process of discovering herself and, yeah yeah and figuring out what's right to do you know yeah and i'm sure we're gonna see like in you know the this this uh series we're gonna see how the, her powers i guess is a parallel or hopefully i mean if they're doing a good uh, i mean this one was well written so maybe the her getting powers will be a parallel of her growing up and, yeah. and maturing and i'm sure they'll do a good job with that but it was a really good scene i agree with you it was yeah. it was really well done and it was really funny when they were like mini hulk because <laughs> yeah i think well, it speaks to like a lot of the cultural elements of the show yeah. with like the kind of it, it's a strange one because like i kind of come from an immigrant family myself mm. So there were like moments where I kind of related quite a bit to what she mm-hmm. was going through because mm-hmm. there's this when you're younger, there's this feeling of like you want to reject everything about your heritage mm-hmm. because it's it's easier to become like the culture that you're living in. You mm-hmm. know, it's easier mm-hmm. to assimilate and you don't want to have anything of your your culture present. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like that scene really spoke to like that bit because the Hulk costume is very much like designed to look like traditional yeah. clothing. Yeah, which I um, liked too. I thought it was a good touch. Yeah, that was it was really cool. Um but like at her age where she is on her journey, she's not at that point where no. she's like ready to embrace that. Mm-hmm. And she's I think like hopefully over the course of the show she'll be able to like figure out her place as like a Muslim in this family and and what you know what her relationship with her heritage is. Yeah. I agree, man. I'm really looking forward to seeing more. I'm glad we both enjoyed it. Maybe yeah. down the line we can do a special where we review oh, the full series. I think that'd be good. Yeah. Um, in other nerd news, though, we got two trailers to talk oh, about. Yes. Well, there's been a few trailers, but two that we really want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, do you want... I mean, it depends on what your opinion is. Should we go for the one that we both definitely liked first and then the one that... Absolutely, yeah. Okay, Prey oh my God, looks yes. so good. It looks really good. I also... <laughs> This is maybe me living under a rock. Yeah, I thought Prey was going to be related to the uh, Xbox game. 
prey. Okay. And so, yeah, I watched the trailer being like, right, okay, so we're going to, this is going to be based on that weird Xbox game Prey, yeah. which was meant to have a film. That's why I thought it was that. Yeah. And then when Predator arrived, I was like, what? This is a Predator? <laughs> this yeah. is a Predator property? It, I think, like, I I have a very guilty pleasure for all of the Predator movies. I really enjoy them. Mm. Um, but I also feel like it's a franchise that even more so than Alien kind of doesn't really know what to do with itself. Yeah. Um, you've got the first one, which is an absolute classic. I classic. love that movie. Yeah. The second is, like, this weird kind of cop movie i actually quite like the second one it is weird but it's good it's weird and and danny houston is it danny houston in it or i think i think think it's danny houston yeah Yeah. it's it's really good in the movie Mm. but like it doesn't quite hit the same level as the first one no um i enjoy predators i think it did something interesting that's the one with adrian brody yeah Yeah. um in fact that was actually the first one i watched i saw that in the cinema and was like oh my god i need to watch the rest it is good i think it does something different and i like that also adrian brody isn't this giant hulk of a human being yeah he got a lot of mick when that movie first came out for like not being more of an action hero but i really liked him you know i i don't want to just see the original predator film again i want yeah. to have something different yeah um yeah. and then i didn't see predators because i was looking oh, forward dude. to it but then the reviews were just crap and i was like, i was about to say when you said that you <laughs> like all of the predator films or have a respect for those films yeah. i was like even even the last one yeah i've so. not seen it i've just not been able to bring don't, myself for it don't um, it's really bad yeah it's and like obnoxiously bad <laughs> yeah and I, I feel like going into like historical settings with it is yeah. like the way to do it because not only is it like some amazing representation yeah um for native americans but like it just lends it this whole different aspect and flavor mm-hmm. and just from the trailer you got a real good feeling of who the characters were their personalities mm-hmm. like i felt like there was a human story here yes to to care about um and well, and oh mm. god, it just the the photography in it—it it all just looks, oh, it looks so amazing, great, doesn't it? it and it makes me really sad good. that this is just going to streaming immediately. It's weird, isn't it? Release, it, yeah. it looks like it should be theatrical. Like it's it it. I completely agree with you. In the short trailer, we got a sense of her what her character is, what yeah. her position in her tribe and her family is, and the characters around her. Yeah. Um, I. I really i have high hopes for this i hope it doesn't come back to bite me because the other predator films i think it's interesting you compare alien and predator because i think why i get more frustrated with say the alien franchise than the predator Mm. one is that the predator one never at any point tries to put itself on this philosophical like pedestal of like we're talking about greater things they are meant to be action films it's just the last one was just appallingly bad. Like yeah. it was so bad, and it's just a shame. Um, obviously, we compare them because we had Alien versus Predator, um, which in itself is like, even though <laughs> I look, I have a soft spot for Alien versus Predator. I don't <laughs> yeah. think it's good, but you know when you can just turn off your head and watch yeah. an action film. That's Absolutely. what a hundred percent. It's a good. It, well. It's a good entertaining film. I wouldn't say it's a good film. Yeah. Um, I th- but this I think actually moment... looks good. Sorry, go on. No, carry on, carry on. I think one of the things that both those franchises kind of lose themselves with is um, when they kind of start exploring like mythology or the mm. lore of the, the species and all this. Yeah. We don't care about any no. of that. 
no. The, the thing that makes Alien and Aliens great, and then the first Predator film great, is it's like very much the human story Humans, first. that's what we want. Yeah, yeah exactly. And their experience of like encountering yeah. this alien, basically. I totally um, agree with you. And that's why and Prometheus that's why... just completely goes off the rails. Yeah, and I don't I care that's about why Predators stuff. was a good movie because it kind of did seek to put that those 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 people first, you know. Yeah. Um, even if it was in this like very bizarre environment which was very unique, I thought. Yeah, so, I completely agree with you. I'd like yeah. I think that's one thing that they lost in in translation with Alien. Like yeah. the recent Aliens as well. What was that oh, Covenant? Yeah, Covenant. yeah. I've not seen it. I'd oh, dude, bother. it's really bad as well. Like, I Ridley <laughs> Scott's falling into this group of directors that I'm like, you might need to think about stop making films. Like, you yeah. maybe need to stop making films. Yeah, um, because it was really bad, and it again, it doesn't give us any real characters to care about. They're just mm. very like one dimensional almost cardboard cutouts to put yeah. into a world so they can have like a black creature running around with all greasiness and oiliness and be like, yeah. oh, is, is he on the walls? And I'm like, I, <laughs> he's on the walls. I can see he's on the walls. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> like, um, like, it's a shame because obviously the first Alien, we're talking about Alien now, forget Predators, but with, with, with the first Alien film, I really, that's one of my favorite films of all time. Yes, yeah, and and I think it is also similar to Predators to loop it back. We've done well. We're looping it back uh, with with Predator. I didn't care. Like in the recent Predators or whatever mm. it is, they have Predator and then bigger Predator, sort of like yeah. Hulk, Little Hulk and Big Hulk. They have <laughs> yeah. Little Predator and Big Predator, and they try oh, and go a into the. Predator, he's it? a little. He's a little Predator. He's a wee little boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they try and like go into this thing of like you know oh there's it's not just a predator he's a big predator and like <sighs> where that came from and stuff and it's like i don't care and like the human characters are so unlikable whereas yeah. this as you say within a trailer they've already introduced us to their motivations mm. who they are as individuals where their character is going to go and the predator is more there just to facilitate the journey rather yeah. than being i don't think you even see the predator in the trailer or if you do it's like very quickly i think you see a silhouette of yeah. it yeah yeah, you, you. I think I may be mistaken, but there's a bit where he's killing um, people, yeah. and we just see a silhouette. Oh, of him. oh really? Ian? Oh, okay. <laughs> he's killing people, is he? Yeah, pr predator yeah. killing people. Yeah. He's okay. actually really nice. He just wants <laughs> people to. He just wants a friend. He just wants. <laughs> Lockdown's been wants... hard on him. Well, bigger predator was a bully. That's what I hear. Yeah. Like he, he just bullied him, and now he just wants friends. <laughs> <laughs> bigger predator. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so yeah, I think that's the only thing, but I think that's the other reason why the first Predator works really well. Because the first half of the film, or at least the first one third, mm. is not really an alien film at all. It's not really a, like anything. To, it's just an action film at first. Yeah. And then suddenly out of nowhere, this weird sci fi murderous alien appears. And even then, you don't really see it for a while. Yeah, because it's in the trees and it's like you don't know if it's there or not and mm. and the other films kind of like jaws i guess in that sense you don't see the shark for the majority of it and then when you do see the shark it kind of takes away the fear factor of it yeah the other films with predator just kind of go there he is there, there's the guy there's bigger predator as well and you just kind of yeah. lose the effect i think definitely yeah but we're both looking forward to that um other last trailer for nerd news um and I'm interested to see what you think on this one. I think this might be my more diversive. Or well, we might agree. Yeah. Is the Black Adam trailer starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. 
Um, what did you think? It was okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, like mm. I I didn't watch. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's think... the end of it. <laughs> it was okay. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I didn't watch it and think like, oh, this I have to see. Um, yeah. To be honest, like of everything that I saw, I was kind of like, I wish we were just getting like a Doctor Fate movie with Pierce Brosnan. Like, yeah, that's the bit that interests me the most. Me too. I was like, can't we just have because that's meant to be the Justice Society, right? Yeah, yeah. Why can't we just have that? I would love yeah. that. Why just a society movie? Yeah, that'd be so cool with Piers Brosnan being like the Professor X, I guess, of that team, yeah. pulling everybody together, um, and and creating perhaps the Justice Society. I'd watch that. Yeah, yeah. And I think like I don't know. Black Adam's a really great character in the comics. Yeah, um, love Black Adam. He's really unique as like a villain, anti-hero, whatever you want to call him. Mm. Um. And I feel like we get to see a little bit of that in the movie, but mm. it also just feels like another rock movie, but he's a superhero now. <sighs> yeah. Um, that's why I'm not like, yeah. I didn't think it was fine. I actually thought it looked bad because like the one thing I liked, as you say, was the Justice Society. I was like, that is really cool. I yeah. really like that. But then everything else just felt so 2000 superhero film. Like, yeah. you know, Superheroes it, don't kill people. Well, I do. Yeah, well, I like, do. Yeah. yeah, like it feels very like. Look, I'm not saying. I guess do you bleed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you will. Um, it's like I guess we have to. You have like, I guess if we have a timeline of comic book films, we have mm. pre MCU, so P MCU, <laughs> uh, yeah. and then after MCU, and you do have some really good films in that pre MCU period, like the Spider Man Sam Raimi trilogy. Yeah, Blade. Uh, and, uh, I'd say probably. Yeah, I'd say the first two Blade films. Third yeah. one's a bit rubbish, but the first two are really good. Uh, and obviously, if we go even further back from that, you obviously have the Christopher Reeve um, Superman films and yeah. and uh, Batman nineteen sixty nine, which is one of my favorite Batman Don't forget films. The Phantom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love the Phantom Man. That is so such good. a good film. Um, and The Shadow, actually. Yeah. I really love that as well. Uh, that's a great film. Yeah. Um, but it feels like that weird point where we had Sam Raimi's Spider-Man and yeah. it went, everybody was like, oh, superhero films can be marketable. So we mm. got like a flurry of really badly made superhero films. Like, yeah. I hate to say it, but the Fantastic Four films were not great. Um, yeah. It, Catwoman is another one of those ones that came out and everybody was like, we just got to pump out superhero films this yeah. feels like that to me it feels just very like generic superhero which is a shame because yeah, it feels I think very Black Adam should... yeah yeah he should be more than that and yeah. i think he's actually really good casting for black adam mm. um but it just feels just so generic like i'm also like not convinced that doing a modern day storyline is the best thing to do with like a black adam movie like, yeah i feel agreed. like doing a historical movie would have been great and then you lead that into shazam 2 or whatever the movie is that mm -hmm. black adam's going to appear in yeah when totally. he fights shazam as being his first modern day movie i agree and you could bring them together into one like um crossover event but not a yeah. huge one you just do like shazam versus black adam or something yeah. like that um and and it, i think that totally works better than yeah because there's even a bit which I was like, that you're trying to look like Iron Man where he's flying with the jets. Yeah. And, it just, yeah. I don't know. I finished the trailer and was like, I have no opinion of what I've watched. <laughs> you know? Although saying that, I don't know if you saw, like, it was a couple, maybe a month or two ago, they yeah. released, like, a short minute long clip from 
Black Adam for mm. like a convention or something. Mm. And it was the scene in the trailer where like he's in like this temple and he's surrounded by yes all these yeah. people with guns. As I was watching that like a month ago, I was like, this feels like it's going to turn into a commercial for some sort of cream or something. Like <laughs> it doesn't feel like an actual movie. Yeah. The um, way it's shot is weird. I agree with you. Yeah. It's like the camera they choose or something could easily yeah. be like a, well, you know why he didn't get shot because of his great sports gear. And like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like as well, just from a design standpoint, I feel like the Cape is too much. Yeah. 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 You I know. think they'll get rid of the Cape quite early on though. You know, Hopefully, yeah. Because there's a lot of shots of him just flying around in the suit with no cape. Yeah. Uh, and I think they'll do the cape as like a homage to the comics. Yeah. And then just get rid of it. Um, so, yeah. And I think that's probably the right way to go. But I just do feel probably similarly. Well, I did leave watching it having an emotion to it. I thought it was mm. bad. Like yeah. I was like, this is not good. And yeah. uh, obviously, hopefully it is good. We never want to have bad films based on properties you like. You never go, yeah. oh, I really want to have a failure of a film there. But yeah. it's. I just, it doesn't fill me with confidence. If, if this is your, what you're going to watch first like viewing of it, it yeah. it would it doesn't make me feel good. I just feel like DC films are really struggling at the moment because yeah. it's it's all like the kind of more low key movies and mm-hmm. uh, and TV shows that are turning out to be the best parts. So like the Suicide Squad film was fantastic. Yeah, Peacemaker was, really was fantastic. Batman was um, really good. Yeah, Batman. Like all of these things that which are sort of like diverging from the sort of universe storyline yes. you know, and and exploring their own little corner of yeah. of the world are like much better well i think um, that's what they should do i think they're, yeah. they're trying to be too much like the mcu even this film feels as i say it feels like a film that is trying to copy other films to keep yeah. up and that's why it's got that feeling of post sam raimi spider-man films because yeah. they all started to try and copy that blueprint yeah um and I feel like what they really should be doing is like, I've always said, if they really want to try and fix their universe, they should do Flashpoint just to really fix everything. Well, they, I think they're trying to. They are trying. Flash, but, but they should. Well, there's issues with Ezra Miller there, but we'll, we'll leave they're that. They're probably going to recast him. On that I point. think they probably should. <laughs> yeah, like there's just, I'm just saying they probably should. Um, we'll leave that, but they should. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with with that, you can't just do... And this is the problem with doing what they have done. One, they also put all their eggs into um, the style of directing. Oh, my God, I forgot his name. I can For see what, his face. Sorry. Who directed Batman vs. Superman and Justice League. Oh, Zack Snyder. Thank yeah. you. Why did I forget his name? <laughs> they put all their eggs into the Zack Snyder basket. And that's... Look, if you like Zack Snyder films, which I'm not particularly fond of... Mm. I know people who love Justice League. They love yeah. it. They, I, I'm sure you do too as well. There's people in the comic book community who love those films. Yeah. I I'm, think I Zach's... kind of find myself in the middle. Like I appreciate a lot of things about Zack Snyder films. I do too. I'll always like make the effort to watch them because yeah. I do. I enjoy them, but they're not good films. No. Well, I was about to say, I also like Zack Snyder. Like, yeah, when I've I'd seen love into... to get a, dr- a drink with him and talk I'd about comics I'd love to talk chat to him. He yeah. seems to love comic books as well, but a lot of his comic book films have a deep misunderstanding for their characters. Yeah. Like, Watchmen totally misses the point of mm. th- those characters and the whole comic book in, in its entirety. Controversially, and... I'm going to go against that and say that I think Watchmen is his best film. 
Do you? Oh, yeah. right. Okay, wait. Okay, really we do not have to. We don't have time. We we'll do another episode time. where we debate. Uh, that actually is a really good one. We we might we'll talk about that. This is post production stuff, but we'll talk about that because we have <laughs> yeah. an upcoming UK film review podcast. Which guys go listen to UK film review. We have amazing uh, podcasts coming out. We have a new horror specialized one. We have a Pride one coming out as well. So lots of great stuff going on in UK film. But we have a special one off every month. Um, so maybe we could do a Zack Snyder. Is, is that Pride the film or Pride the concept? Pride the concept. Okay, cool. Yeah, I should specify that, actually. <laughs> Good question. Great question. Um, so we um, we can talk about that maybe on another podcast. But yeah, uh, and we'll save that. We'll save that. But I yeah. do think I like him and I do like his passion towards making films. But I always just think he would be way better as like maybe a visual specialist, like somebody who yeah. works on camera shots and 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 the way things look, yeah. Rather than being a director slash writer, because I yeah. I just feel his films miss the mark a lot of the time. I tell you um, what, though, his films have that stylistic element which a lot of the Marvel films lack. Oh, totally. He, that's what I'm saying. They should have him on as like yeah. the visual designer because they look amazing no matter what people say to me about like mm. oh i hated batman versus superman or um i actually don't mind man of steel it's not perfect yeah, we'll same. probably talk about that it's a good segue actually but because yeah. i think there's things we can talk about where perhaps things have missed interpretations of mm. superman um and but i don't think it's terrible um mm. and justice league his cut of justice league is way better than the one that we got um but the the the, the whole sort of like um, the writing aspect of it is where it's lacking for his yeah. films, and yeah. the the DC really put all their eggs into that basket. And when it didn't pay off, I think they're just kind of like, "Oh, what do we do now? We'll just limp along. We'll limp along." And I think what they really should do, because I've heard them doing Flashpoint, being like, "We're going to fix everything." What they should do is not do Flashpoint yet; just do loads and loads of films of like their own style and niche, like the Batman. Yeah. Don't think, oh, we need to do oh a huge universe. And then once you've done a lot of films that are just their own thing, mm. you do Flashpoint to link all of those films together. Yeah. And that makes more sense to me because why yeah. do Flashpoint when you haven't established multiple different universes? Whereas if you then do Flashpoint, you can have Robert Patterson as Batman in it. You yeah. could have another Batman if you wanted. You could bring... Brandon Ruth as Superman. You could do... That would be really cool. I would love that. Yeah. That would actually be really good. And bring the t- yeah, bring the TV sh- shows in. Do all of it. Just bring yeah. everything together, and-, and then that works way better, I think. Definitely. You know? But they're not. It doesn't sound like they're doing that. Get no. DC if you're listening, which I imagine you were not. Get us <laughs> to do it. Just get me and Andrew will sort it for you. We've got it. We've read these comics. Bring yeah. us in. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, let's get to our main topic today. It's a longer nerd news, which uh, yeah. maybe we needed somebody else, a third person, to rein us in, Andrew, because uh, <laughs> we just we've. We, I mean, we're 38 minutes into the episode, <laughs> and we haven't even begun like actually talking about. <laughs> this is going to be a long one. Settle in, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's fitting that we've gone from talking about Zack Snyder, Man of Steel, into mm. our comic of this uh, week. Um, one of the probably most influential superman comics ever written um we are doing as mentioned before for the man who has everything written by the uh genius i guess of 
whatever you want to call him, wizard, he calls himself, Alan Moore, yeah. and amazing art by David Gibbons. And, and if, if readers want to um, read this yes. after the comic, you can find it in the Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow graphic novel, mm-hmm. or you can find it online digitally on Comixology you as can. Superman Annual Number 11. I was about to say, it's online. Great. Thank you for doing that, Andrew, because I was also going to talk. You can pick up, I picked up from uh, my local comic book shop, um, which is Forbidden Planet, actually, in London, because uh, there's not many. Oh, it's not West too London. local, then, is it? It's not really my local, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's Well, I don't have it. I really looked. There isn't a comic book shop near me, yeah. which is really gutting. But I picked up DC Universe by Alan Moore, which is nice. a really good one to pick up as well, because it has pretty much everything he's ever written. <laughs> Uh, barring um, Swamp Thing and um, uh, The Killing Joke. They're the only yeah. two things in that that aren't in this compendium, which is really good as well. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, let's jump in. Yeah. What are your thoughts on what for the man... I was about to say, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are your thoughts on for the man that has everything? Um, it's, I mean, it's rightly a classic. I think um, it's something that, like, looking back from kind of the modern view of comics, it's kind of difficult to grasp just how groundbreaking it is as a comic. Mm. Because, you know, I, I only even realized, like, earlier this week when I reread it and saw the date that it was published, um, you know, this is an Alan Moore Superman comic that is published not only just before Watchmen, mm. but we're talking before Crisis on Infinite Earths yep. as well. So we're, we're talking, like, old, old DC timeline. You know, yep. we're talking, like, Adam West Batman... Kurt Swan Superman, like it's very, very early on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of just in that tipping point where things are starting to go into a more mature direction. Yes. Um, yeah. And recently I've been reading a lot of the Superman comics that were published just after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm. And even that feels like not quite as looking into the future as man as the man for, who has everything so th- this um, is this is like the t- silver age then yeah of, we're uh, probably yeah. bronze age i'd say bronze bronze age, age. Um, bronze age. so we're, lo- we're looking at like 70s 80s dc here mm. um and alan moore has been uh writing swamp thing mm-hmm. um but which even that like as a superhero comic is a bit more niche into the side yeah, the yeah sort, totally. sort of supernatural area of dc mm. we haven't had watchmen this is the first time really that we're seeing like a superhero character handled with the kind of literary quality that Alan Moore brings to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I can only imagine what it must have been like in 1985, picking up this annual and having this 40 page story that is just phenomenal from beginning to end. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, it's interesting you say 40 page. It's, it's a short comic. It's, yeah. it's not a long uh, extended story that has mm. like, almost what's the word i don't want to say ramifications because it does like it has a lot of influential ramifications but in terms of like the lore of superman it's not one of his huge ongoing stories that ends up you know affecting everything to us it's It's not all star superman basically yeah yeah it's one and done and we move on with the story yeah and you can read you can jump into it without knowing much knowledge of superman or any of the characters like it's a really good entry point for anyone who wants to read a superman comic i actually have been trying to get uh so simone my partner who you all know why do why do i preface (laughs) who that was she's been on four of these um yeah she's not really read too much superman and i've always said this is like i wouldn't my favorite superman comic ever is all-star superman but Mm. I wouldn't say that's the most accessible comic no. because you need to have read 
this and probably whatever happens to the man of tomorrow mm. um they're both very i think integral to understanding superman and then his subsequent work that's really good which is obviously all star superman yeah and uh yeah i totally agree with you this is probably like the ideal starting point for a superman uh read mm. i think it's it, a good it, one as well for anybody who like struggles with superman as character being like oh he's a boy scout he's boring like well I feel like this is a really psychological character study of the character yeah i think this i was about to say i think why for me this is it's difficult because obviously i've just said i i think all-star superman is the best mm. but this is maybe like it's probably between these two and one is obviously a huge story and the other is just a one and done Mm. um but alan moore does so much to i guess show why superman is inherently human yeah and i think that's something that really frustrates me like really frustrates me as Mm. a uh superman he's my favorite character and whenever i say that to people they're like oh god he's so boring and like Mm. i'm always like you have you just haven't read the right stuff and i think maybe you might disagree but something that's frustrated me a lot recently is the inundation we've had of evil superman oh yeah for sure it's so annoying because like it's just people who don't know how to write him and i'm just like just read this just read this (laughs) saying that i will say that superman's going through a bit of the golden age right now in the comics awesome Um, so in the last like five or six years they've introduced his son um jonathan kent Mm. who is who is currently the 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 superman in the comics um, cool and he's a great character the whole idea of superman as a father has just done so much to rejuvenate the the kind of character line is that rebirth or is that yeah rebirth um and then at the moment in action comics which is kind of linked to for the man who has everything Mm. uh there's this kind of ongoing saga i guess you you can call it called the war world saga where mm. superman and the authority have been imprisoned on mongol's planet uh war world and it's mm. kind of become like a game of thrones fantasy-esque oh, cool. kind of comic and it really strips superman back to the essentials and shows him as like the kind of paragon of hope and virtue that he's supposed to be awesome. so superman is kind of under the radar flying under the radar and having a bit of a golden age right now no, that's cool. I, I will have um, to jump on that because I yeah. I really love Superman. I think if you can if you can depict him well, you've done an. I think you're you've proven your weight as a writer because so yeah. many people just don't do it well. They do and it. And also, so bad. while we're on the subject, everybody who's listening to this should go and watch Superman and Lois on BBC iPlayer. Because yeah, because it's absolutely phenomenal. It's so good. Like again, I think it really does capture the perfect stuff about Superman. He's not this. I hate when people just say, oh, he's a Boy Scout. It's like, you really don't get it. Because like this this comic, to link it back to, to, mm-hmm. to the, For the Man Who Has Everything, the the whole point, I guess, is... I mean, Alan Moore talked about like how he wanted to write something about escapism and dream worlds yeah. and you know how people get enslaved to longing for a past ideal or a future they can't have that mm-hmm. will eventually make them happy. Mm-hmm. And what's why superman is so great and this this story really shows that is that we haven't done there's a feature actually we do every episode which is like what's the story with wikipedia versus wikipedia <laughs> yeah. um which i guess we'll, we'll 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 skim past it real quickly the story superman it's his birthday and batman and robin who great just their interactions with wonder woman who's also there <laughs> yeah. 
is just so good. But what is it that Batman says to him as they're walking? Uh, think in? clean thoughts, chum. God, oh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good little back and forth. Yeah. They're going to give him some gifts, and they're literally talking about how difficult it is to buy or well, not buy, get uh, Superman something because he is the man who has everything he wants. You know, he's you know this god s character. And they turn up, and Superman is in a trance, binded by a flower that is essentially giving him what his heart's desire is. Yeah. And it's been put on him by one of his many villains. It's Mongol, isn't it? Mongol? Yeah. Mongol. Uh, I've always pronounced his name wrong, just being dyslexic. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's put this on him to defeat him and essentially enslave Earth and become a supervillain. And we see that inside superman's heart it's not a longing for like lois lane or world peace or you Mm. know what we would think superman's wants would be it's actually a want of a normal life on krypton yeah and that for me is just so like perfectly encapsulates why superman's an amazing character Mm. because he is just like all of us wanting something that he can't have and uh, not to go too much and skip ahead. What's really interesting is as well that Superman's world is deeply flawed. Yeah. Whereas when it goes on to Batman just briefly and then eventually to spoil the ending for people, but you know, you're listening to this, it's going to be spoiled. Mm. Uh, when uh, Jason Todd puts the 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 vines onto uh, Mongol, uh, Mongol's dream world is perfect. They're both yeah. Batman and his are exactly exactly what they want exactly whereas superman's he knows it's not right he's like this is really not right having everything you want is is ultimately you know it's a it's a lack of empathy for other people and i think that's what he struggles with Mm. in Mm. in his fantasy land on on krypton there's like so much social division racism Mm -hmm. uh religious fanaticism his father who basically predicted the end of krypton uh was became a laughing stock when krypton did not explode um and has kind of become like this donald trump-esque figure yeah i do Um, think it's ironic just to just i'll let you continue but i did find that quite funny that everybody was like going oh look at this guy he's so such an idiot and i'm like shouldn't you all be like oh thank god we didn't die (laughs) like exactly um (laughs) And it, it's very like there's. I, I think the thing that's that hurts about the fantasy for Superman is he's presented through throughout the narrative of in his head with all these moments where he can do the right thing, but mm. he he ch- chooses not to or feels that he can't because he is just a normal person. Yeah, and yeah. he. I think he struggles with feeling whole in the, in that sense. Um, well, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think when he's, oh, I mean, it's heartbreaking when he's yeah. with his son. Yeah. And he's like, you're not real. Um, yeah, he struggles with that massively. Yeah. I think that's like the perfect scene in the comic that really shows that. Yeah. Um, and it is, it's really heartbreaking that yeah. moment. It really, yeah. I, I was reading, when I first read it, I was reading it. And I had tears in my eyes because yeah, it, it was, it's it just is. so powerful. I really get that, man. Cause like I reread it uh, this week, obviously. I've read it a few times. Yeah. That bit always gets me when he's just trying to reach out to take yeah. his hand. Every time I'm like, God, that's heartbreaking. And yeah. you then feel how 
like it's it's they do such an amazing job in the art as well yeah. um, with with oh, the combination God, Dave Gibbons artwork is just incredible incredible and the, the bit where he like snaps out they do this such a great job of not just showing you know superman as a human but we do get to see see the power that he holds yeah he's scary for a he's little terrifying bit. Yeah. the the art david gibbons does of the red eyes and being like yeah. who did this to me yeah. and then him screaming mongol to the point where it's almost like the word yeah. can't even be held in the box yeah um it, it it's they really show that like not only is this man deeply human yeah he is so infinitely powerful yeah um, and that's i think that's one of the things that really th- th- that kind of brings that more literary writing into the comic is that for the first time we're seeing like a superhuman battle in a in a mainstream dc comic mm. where it's being described with such kind of beautiful language where like mm. he just kind of alan moore describes like the muscles on mongol and superman as like shifting like tectonic plates like yeah. you get this feeling that there's so much power in this battle that you just can't comprehend and because they're essentially they're not human they mm-hmm. are they are godlike in their battle mm. and it's it's frightening to behold because even batman and jason todd they're like we can't do anything to stop this we've got to help wonder woman or go and get the get go and get the black mercy alien mm. uh like there's nothing any of the other characters can do it's they've just got to let superman and mongol fight it out basically totally and i think what's nice as well and again alan moore pulls it back to how uh what's the word i don't want to say soft but how delicate Mm. superman can be at the same time because immediately after that he uh flies so we see like almost a parallel in his rage Mm. where Alan Moore and, and David Gibbons use like multiple panels to show how fast he is. Yeah. Um, in the less than a second he can get from one to another to cause huge damage. Mm. Um, in the same ability to save um Diana's feelings to hide the um Ooh, the Ian, are you there? Hello, can you hear me? Hello, yeah, you're back. <laughs> Perfect, we're back. <laughs> we're cool. <laughs> it just it's fine. Technical issues. Um, you just need to take your volume down a little bit. Um, so the the when he's traveling at super speed, mm. he goes to hide the the duplicate gift from from Diana to save her feelings. Yeah, and it's so it's such a good thing to parallel. He has super speed to the point where he can go in less than a second to cause mm. a huge damage to this also godlike being in Mongol. Mm. But he can use the same power in a really delicate way to save somebody's feelings. Yeah. Because he's caring and supportive and loving. And I think that's, I, I'm sure it was intentional to do that, to be like, right, we'll have him at super speed saving yeah. somebody's feelings and super speed using this unbelievable power. Mm. Um, I think they do an amazing job to not only, as you say, show the pure raw rage that he has, but then yeah. immediately be like, oh, you know, he's still a good, you know, person at heart, um, yeah. even though he has been like manipulated. And mm. um, I guess I get, I can't think of anything worse really for for you to be shown a world that you could never have. Yeah, um, it's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, and I guess the other thing, I guess, it's interesting. You a moment ago were talking about like the godlike beings. Mm. Um, Alan Moore 
he's written obviously alan moore's one of the best comic book writers uh, of all time and um he's written like a lot of non-dc comics because of his fallout with dc mm. uh, and weirdly now pretty much everything he does gets pulled out again to dc comics whether it be watchman or miracle man yeah. um but what's interesting is like within the confines of dc his superman is like nothing like the superman s characters he writes so like mm. outside of dc he writes almost like nietzsche ubermensch characters in like supreme yeah. and um watchman and uh, yeah. miracle man he kind he, of shows how these characters become kind of less and less human because of their power yeah you know? but in in superman he is just so not that at all he's no. like the complete opposite of that i feel in this yeah. and i guess in another stage we'll have to talk about whatever happened to the man of tomorrow mm. um but i just feel he's so like yeah he's got these godlike powers but he never loses his like touch to what makes him human like even in his fight with mongol the reason why mongol's able to get the upper hand is because he sees a statue of his family and it makes him yeah um, remember his, his yeah his dream yeah um I got I I it's very I just thought it was interesting that like Alan Moore does not lean into the I guess lack of better word Ubermensch I guess mm. like style that he does in other um projects that have these sort of like godlike beings. Yeah. He just kind of lets he he lets these he lets the archetype of Superman as like the best superhero kind of just show through. He doesn't question it, but he he kind of gives it a lot more psychological depth. Mm. Um yeah, it's it really is just like phenomenal character building in mm -hmm. in Latin forty pages. Um, yeah, and like I think the other thing that I really appreciated, especially reading it this time round, was um, Mongol as a villain. I think if this had been written by any other writer, Mongol would have been a fairly generic mm. villain. Like he's a bad guy. He wants to hurt Superman. He wants to conquer the world. Like he's not. He's not particularly that interesting as a character, but in Alan Moore's hands, the way he speaks, the way he views the world, it all becomes fascinating and terrifying. And mm -hmm. he's a really uniquely written character in, in these 40 pages. You know, mm. it, it, he goes from being a fairly one-dimensional character to being quite three-dimensional. I agree. I agree. I think he, he is actually almost a bit amusing at points because like, when he's monologuing to... Yeah. Batman, Superman, and uh, Batman, Wonder Woman, and uh, Robin—they yeah. kind of stood there looking at him, like, "Who the hell is this guy?" <laughs> yeah, and he's monologuing about, like, you know, what he is and Superman, and he's like, "It's okay, I've given him his heart's desire, so he's going to be content and happy in there." And yeah. which one am I? Which one of you am I killing first? <laughs> yeah, which of you would be politest to kill first? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I'm like, that's such like that's so well written. Yeah. And like um, when he sees Robin, he's like, can you please tell the little yellow creature to stop shuffling around or something yeah. like that? It's hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, yeah. I guess that leads me to a good question. Like, what's your favorite part of this? Oh, I don't know. It's it all it all just works so well together. Um, mm. I don't know if it's necessarily a favorite part, but I think it is something we should discuss is mm. kind of Robin as a character in this. Yeah, I feel like he if 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 superman isn't the main character of this then robin is like mm -hmm. they kind of surprisingly robin kind of co-leads the story in mm. some ways um mm -hmm. because 
when Batman gets taken out by the Black Mercy, uh, I'm not sure what Wonder Woman's doing. I think maybe she's she's been she's out. been knocked unconscious. By yeah, now. so it kind of falls to Robin to save the day. Yeah, um, amidst Superman and Mongol fighting each other, hmm. and it it kind of is he kind of Alan Moore makes the point that Superman and Mongol will not stop fighting because they're both as strong as each other, hmm. and the destruction is going to be endless. So Robin has to take it upon himself to to kind of save the day, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like. I feel like the portrait of Robin that we get in this, specifically Jason Todd, as kind of only recently becoming Robin, this is the moment where he kind of lives up to that title. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think he, Alan Moore does such a good job of writing him as like this prepubescent teenager who's kind of struggling mm. socially and like doesn't really understand maybe yet a lot of the kind of things around him, but then uses his wits and his intelligence to kind of figure out how to take out mongol yeah Um, i completely agree and it's kind of cool that it's a as you say prepubescent teen who's the one who beats mongol really yeah like if if it wasn't for him jumping in at that time Mm. um there was a good chance that mongol could have you know killed superman because superman was off guard due to what we mentioned before him seeing a statue of his family and it's and... the real defeat as well, because Mongol is expecting that the only person that can defeat him is another superhuman godlike creature. Yeah. And then actually it's the hu- it's the it's the least powerful human character there that ends up defeating Mongol. He's not just defeating Mongol, he's defeating his whole kind of worldview. Yeah, totally. And I really I think again, as you say, if he's he's not the main character, he certainly is like one of them. And he has like really Especially for Jason Todd, because I think Jason Todd, particularly at that time, was really, I think, um, he was done dirty, you know? I feel yeah. like he was really mistreated by people. Yeah. Um, I really love the way they write him, because he's not hes not annoying, he's not, like, mm. arrogant, he's not rude. He's actually quite endearing, and, like, when he's trying to carry the... Uh, it, it's the Black Mercy, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, when he's carrying it from up and then they fall through the floor and he's like, <laughs> yes. oh, oh God, just I just got, got up here. Yeah, yeah, I just got up here, man. I just saw. Oh. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I thought that was really great and it's like, yeah. how am I going to get up there? And it's like, oh, I just got up <laughs> here. I it's like, I, I think they, he adds a levity or, or at least like a humor uh, to yeah. the comic that is lacking because, it, well, not lacking, but it lacks if you didn't have him. Yeah. Because what Superman is going through in, in his world of krypton as you said it is dark and it's Mm. flawed and it's very sinister it's you know Mm. racism and religious fanaticism Mm. Uh, (laughs) it's all those isms nothing really good has an ism on it does it like Mm. if we're honest think about it is there a good ism no it's very much like reading it i felt like it was quite it was even scarier this time because i think the last time we read it was before Donald Trump's presidency. Yes. And then yeah. reading it now, I was like, there's so many parallels. And it's it really weird, is isn't unnerving. it? It's really weird when, I guess, perhaps it's not so strange because obviously Alan Moore and um, his writing does mm. have like, uh, shows perhaps the, the the parallels in society and how things haven't changed that much from when he first wrote this and, yeah. you know, Viva Vendetta as well. And Yeah. I mean, he grew up in, and lives in Thatcher, England, you know, yeah. so like, yeah, it's a totally different political viewpoint from kind of an American writer at the same yeah. time. But it's it is eerie how much the Kryptonian world does have, as you say, in I guess now in our post-Trump 
um period we can reflect and look on it um it, it is weird how much of it parallels like particularly when they have the um what's the kryptonian movement they they call themselves is it the swords of Rao or like yeah the, the uh was it the old krypton movement the old krypton yeah, movement bring back classic krypton yeah and yeah and you're like oh god this is weird how much this can parallel to the red caps of MAGA and yeah. the fact that people are on these marches, weirdly also in red uniforms in yeah. in the in this comic, you are like, God, this is really dark. It's yeah. sinister. And I think as well, like the genius of it is like j- despite all of that, Jorel still remains like something of a sympathetic character. Yes. Because he's essentially this man who is broken. You know, he he lost his career because of this thing that didn't happen that is that was supposed to happen mm-hmm. you know uh and then it's a throwaway line but he says his wife was killed by the eating sickness yeah later on and you, that just sounds horrific yeah he's he's a shadow of the person he used to be yeah you know um, and it's and this guy who we know from superman mythology is almost mm. like a um if superman is our ideal for mm. superman drell is like his only connection to for a long time until we had a few more characters introduced into the superman mythology mm. Jarrell is almost like um mythical like yeah. almost like a a uh, odin or a you know this sort of like mythical god, figure. yeah He's yeah god superman's jesus like exactly he, and that's the thing that this really disrupts that kind of mythology and brings it down to earth and shows Jarrell's actually he's just like he's a normal human being Mm. And because of that, Superman's a normal human being as well. He's not a savior figure. Yeah, he's inherited the the weakness of his father, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah, totally. he he chooses to overcome that weakness and do something emotionally catastrophic, which is essentially like murder his son and mm-hmm. his reality mm-hmm. because he knows it's not right and he has to come back to actual reality. Yeah, it, it's so true, man. And I think with with that, it's it's like. They he Alan Moore does so much with as with such little pages to mm. go into such depth of creating this really heartbreaking and tragic reality. Yeah, that he's having to, as you say, essentially destroy, like destroy everything that he possibly could have wanted. Mm. Um, and it is it, it's really it is heartbreaking to just go back. I know we've just said that a moment ago, yeah. but it is just like Christ and how sinister that world is now on another read. And you're so right with paralleling it with what we are going through or have gone through as a society it is yeah. like you know christ this is really dark and dare i say it's more relevant now than it was in the 80s yeah weirdly and i'm sure people who read this in the 80s because you know neither of us were there i'm sure people <laughs> who read this in the 80s probably were like oh this is really relevant but it's weird how prophetic a lot of this stuff in it is yeah and you know the I'm I to link it back to what we were initially talking about with with Robin. I'm glad you do have some levity with Robin mm. there, because uh, without that, I think it would be really dark. I think yeah. it would be maybe the darkest you know Superman story we've had. Yeah, um, just on how heartbreaking, sinister the world of Krypton's become, and I think yeah. kind of with Jor-El being that uh, godlike figure mm. um, in the conventional universe of Superman. Krypton is almost like a world that could Earth ever be that idealistic? Yeah. You know, like a future world where, you know, in what we know of it, a great society 
drawn destroyed before it could even mm. really develop better and um in this world it's not at mm. all it's not and Jarell, krypton all of them it's just like all societies are deeply flawed yeah. and much like our own is deeply flawed krypton is deeply flawed um and i mean that, i mean alan moore is like a master at creating mm. those parallels yeah without yeah. a doubt it it's, is great uh, i'd really love to see the t- tyler hecklin superman show uh superman lois tackle this issue i feel because, it'd be really good yeah it'd be really and, good and what with um the extended family that he's got his two sons and, mm. and whatnot i think you could probably do do this in mm-hmm. that show without having to bring in batman robin wonder woman and oh yeah and still yeah, retain totally. that family focus for the show well it's interesting i guess we've talked a lot about our thoughts on the comic if you hadn't if you mm. couldn't tell we'd love it <laughs> <laughs> no it's terrible i hated it um, <laughs> no, um but it's interesting that alan moore is renowned for hating interpretations of his work Mm. um rightly or wrongly i mean there is a lot of his work which is like butchered um yeah i'm not sure if you saw the animation of uh the killing joke it is yes it was awful really bad yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but an animated one that really works and he actually has said you know it's his maybe his only thing he likes of Mm. his interpretations is the justice league um animated show they did an episode of this yeah um which i also watched because i didn't know they had yeah <laughs> um, I, I also I watched, watched it about it. five or six years ago yeah it's so good it's if i, it... I don't know there's Ooh. I, yeah i i think maybe the things that i don't like about it are because it's limited to being a 20 minute episode and it is a mm. saturday morning cartoon and mm-hmm. i don't feel like it kind of fully explores all the stuff in in the comic and also don't they replace a character in it as well um let me remember i don't i don't think jason todd's in it yeah i I I, miss jason todd being there robin is definitely not in it it's just batman and wonder woman yeah um and in his dream world i don't think it gets as dark um Mm. like i'm fairly certain one um because in in the comic supergirl gets badly beaten up yeah. um, by people who want to get rid of the Phantom Zone. Which, if they do, how dare you? That's the name of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in the comic, she gets brutally like hurt to the point where she's probably dying. Mm. Um, I'm Because it is obviously a Saturday morning cartoon, that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which I'm not saying like, oh, God, I want, you know, Supergirl get beaten up. But mm. it, that, it does... It is important for how dark that world's got that yeah. both the people who are old um, Krypton and the people who are like, we want to change are both very violent yeah. and uh, volatile. Um, so yeah, I, I actually really liked it. I think, I guess the things that you, I completely respect that mm. it, because it is a Saturday morning cartoon, it is yeah. restrictive. And also I liked when I it. watched it, I watched it just after having read the comic. So I wonder if like, watching it as its own thing mm. i'd enjoy it more you know yeah yeah i yeah maybe maybe i mean i i i think i just think especially when you compare it to other uh alan moore interpretations mm. um a lot of alan moore's work gets butchered um mm. uh, particularly by weirdly now i guess we we hinted upon it before but 
weirdly dc just seem to just drag up anything that's alan moore to yeah. put back into their comics yeah um and um even with mixed results i'm i'm sure you've read uh the button um, yes yeah yeah i thought that was great i actually yeah. thought the button was really good yeah um but i didn't really like um the series after with with uh superman uh, uh um dr manhattan having their shoe down i didn't Superman. really like that yeah i read about half of it and then tailed off i think it just <laughs> it's not great no there were things i liked about it but overall it just felt like fan fiction perfect that's actually i couldn't sum up how i feel about alan moore's work being interpreted a lot mm. of it feels like fan fiction even like yeah. the before watchman comics they yeah. feel like fan fiction comics yeah um rather than actually adding anything to his work the whereas i feel I like with there is the minutemen series by darwin cook which i feel is pretty it's not like the best thing he's ever done but it is pretty competent fair play darwin cook is a great writer as well yeah. so like that that is completely fair i think mm. the rest of them though are very just like they're not it was it was the awful. high point of a general low point let's put it that way yeah and they're not awful i'm not gonna sit here and be like there's nothing of warrant in any of these pieces of work of alan moore's you mm. know where people have spun spun off stuff um because look like alan moore himself like i don't think you can say, oh no, nothing can be retouched because Alan Moore himself originally wanted the Watchmen characters to be old original comic book characters. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with revisiting people's work. I've got no problem with like, mm. I'm not going to sit here and be like, Alan Moore's work can never be touched because yeah. I don't think that's true. Because apparently I think... this, this Tom King Rorschach series is supposed to be quite good as well. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. And I think there is merit to revisiting work it's just a lot of the stuff particularly mm. i guess spin-off slash um uh films mm. i just think a lot of people make like fan fictiony versions of what that's the thing i think a lot of the people who have tried to do it are not like people who are who have read like i don't know swan's way or like mm. in search of lost time mm. or don quixote or, oh, yeah. or these sort of things like Alan Moore has come from this. Yes, you read comics, but he he loves art in general. Yes, and so he he has a slightly more literary mind when it comes to these things. Whereas, like a lot of the people who've written the things that have come after him, they're people who have only read Alan Moore comics mm -hmm. and other mm -hmm. comics. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I totally get you. I they're totally not coming understand. from it as like a piece of artwork, but rather as this is a really cool Superman story or a really cool uh, superhero story kind of thing. Let's let's just do a bit more of it, you know? I completely agree with you. And I think to pull that back to, to For the Man Who Has Everything, comparing this to, say, the Killing Jokes animated mm. interpretation, I feel like because it's a Saturday morning cartoon, yeah. I actually think that's favorable to it. Yeah. Because the problem with the Killing Joke cartoon, I think the person who was making that... Mm. Uh, this is going to sound really like, and I could be totally wrong, mm. but it kind of feels like how you described it. They're not people who yeah. are looking at the broader literary art sense of what they're making. It's more yeah. like, this is just a cartoon that we're going to pump out. Well, Whereas, I'm going to blow your mind right now. What? Um, made by the same people. Get out of town. I mean, it's Bruce Tim, right? Bruce Tim came back to the DC animated films to do <sighs> Killing Joke. Uh, although the screenplay was by Brian Azzarello, who... 
I think a lot, most of the issues with that movie can come down to Brian Azzarello's script rather than anything. Bruce Timm well, just produced it. Yeah. Le- le- oh. <laughs> oh, well, that's just made my point mute. Like, I, I've got no, I yeah, I've got nothing to add to that now, man. I yeah, I was yeah, yeah. Because oh. Bruce Timm continuously had this weird obsession with having Bat- Batman and Batgirl like be an item. In, I hated in that. the shows, and I it's hate, just like I hated that. It feels really like. I don't know, like if I if, if, I, was sorted, in, if right? I was in a school, right? Yeah. Like, like you know, my day job is a librarian, so like safeguarding is quite important. Yeah. If I was in a school that Barbara Gordon was going to, and I saw Bruce Wayne picking her up every day from school, I would I would safeguard that without any hesitation. And yeah, I think that's like it's that element of it that feels really creepy. I, I agree with you. I really hated that in the cartoon. Mm. I've hated that whenever they've tried to do it. I just really think. Especially with what, because Alan Moore now has distanced himself anyway from the Killing Joke. He's yeah. he's said that obviously it's not his favorite piece of his work, and he's a bit yeah. With what happened to Barbara in it, he is a bit like Ugh. yeah. It's yeah. a it's a fl- very flawed masterpiece. Yeah, so. totally. And I think the things that I like about it are the details and minutiae in the art. Actually, yeah. like the 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 little you know on the desk with people's sayings it's it's um mm. you don't have to be crazy to work here but it helps yeah you know it's a small thing inside arkham asylum which is just like really detail that yeah. i really like the actual story itself i agree with alan moore gets quite brutal and mm. unnecessarily um, so probably yeah i think he said that himself he's really not proud of that and i think it's interesting again to, to parallel that with for the man who has everything i think alan moore does write good female characters mm. but he i think at this point how close was this to the killing joke of writing um probably three or four years before yeah i think he at this stage in his writing um his female characters aren't like the most at the forefront like even in Mm. for the man who has everything if there is a flaw with this comic if we're going to talk about things we didn't like but it's not very many uh, Wonder Woman is just kind of like there to be a punching bag for Mongol, yeah. and then in the actual world, his wife, his child, his mother, and um, his daughter, I should say, and his yeah. mother and his uh, cousin, which is you know Supergirl, she actually gets brutally beaten up, which I do think is important for the story. But yeah. again, there's just not many female characters in this that have a place, and no. I think that maybe it's just his writing at this time is like that, well, I guess. it's a weird one, because like, at, at the same time, he's writing Swamp Thing. Um, mm, that's true. the other lead of that char- of that comic is Abigail Arcane. Of course. And it's, it's, the entire comic is basically one long romance comic between Abigail and yeah. Swamp Thing. I wonder why it is then, I guess, with yeah. the Killing Joke in this, that they just... They're not... The, the Killing Joke is way worse than this, I will say. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the both in both these there's the female characters just are kind of more i hate to say objects because that makes mm. it that's derogative but they're not really they don't really have characters too much in either yeah. of them they're just kind of and, there to push the plot along you yeah know? I'd, I'd say there's only one moment in for the man that has everything that i don't like which is when at the end superman and wonder woman kiss and Superman's Did they kiss like... or was it a kiss on the cheek? No, no, they they properly kiss. Yeah, on, oh, wait, what? on the lips. I'm opening um, my comic cup right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like you kind of that, miss it. that is my comic. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Superman says something like, "Why, Why don't we, we do, do that, that more? more often?" And she's like, "Because it would be something. I don't know. Because it would be um... too predictable. 
too predictable. And he says, yeah, you're probably right. And it's just like such a weird moment because I don't know about you, Ian, but like I don't go around kissing on the lips all my female friends, you know? Like it's just, even on their birthdays, the last thing they want to do is kiss yeah, me. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a good point. I mean, I kiss you on the lips, but that's a different... <laughs> that's for after the podcast, Ian. <laughs> Behind closed doors, yeah? Shh, <laughs> don't tell people that. What are you talking yeah. about? Um, yeah, no, it is actually weird. I've got it in front of me now. And I, I just didn't... I thought it was on... Now, I just... My brain didn't even compute it was on yeah. the list. And it's weird because Batman and Robin are just kind of watching. Yeah. It's really weird. And Robin, if you look... Robin's like, oh, I wish that was me. I was about... <laughs> Robin looks really disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it is kind of weird. I, Ironically, I guess... Um, that one panel where he's like, why don't we do that more often? And I don't know, too predictable, you're probably right. That one interaction, weirdly, like, is a, a big put down for a comic which comes out way later than this, which is mm. The Dark Knight Strikes Again, where you have Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah. and it's like such a, yeah, don't do that. You shouldn't do that. The, <laughs> like, the best it... superhero sex scene in the history of comics. Yeah. <laughs> that maybe. We was something we said, I guess, when we were making this podcast. Seen a few of us is that we didn't want to be like punching down at stuff. You know what I yeah. mean? We didn't want to be like really harsh towards comics. Yeah. I really don't like the Dark Knight Strikes again, and maybe we should do a comic. I disagree. Uh, really? Yeah, okay. Are, all right. Okay. Well, all right. That that's. Do you know what? Yeah. That is a great. I was about to say that. That's perfect if you disagree. Yeah. Because I didn't want us just to be ragging on a comic book. So yeah. we will do The Dark Knight Strikes again then and yeah. actually have a good conversation because I, I haven't met anybody who likes that. So I feel about it very much the same way I feel about like eating a McDonald's. Like it's <laughs> that's not something you want to say about it's, it. <laughs> it's terrible and brilliant all at once and there's oh, nothing else no. quite like it, you know. Okay, we're gonna have to not spin off because we could talk <laughs> yeah. about so many comics. All I'm going to say is I don't eat McDonald's. So well, fair, fair. Yeah, yeah, I haven't eaten a McDonald's in maybe six or seven years. So maybe we should record that episode whilst eating the same meal from McDonald's, <laughs> talking about McDonald's as we're as we're talking about this comic. Okay, I'm down for that. We'll put <laughs> yes. that in our group chat we have, and we'll be down for that. That is yes. such a good idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, do you know what? That's a really good point on the one bit we don't like about the comic. Um, mm. I, I think it is the representation of women in it and yeah. also just a really weird interaction now that I've reread that page right now. It's, it's, it's not just the, the writing as well. It's the artwork on that panel where like Superman and Wonder Woman are both kind of like pink grinning at each other. Yeah. You know, They're pink. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're pink on one page and then Batman and Robin are bluey black. Yeah. So it highlights them at the forefront, which I really am weird. I'm so confused on why I didn't see them kissing. I thought it was yeah. on the cheek. Because the, the way I've looked at it mm. was like, if you look really... <laughs> so, listeners are going to be like, what the hell is this? Yeah. If you look really, really, really close at that panel, I'm not sure if you've got it in front of you. No, no. But if you look really, really close, and I think this is why my brain didn't compute it, it kind of looks like Diana's head is on the side of... Right. Superman's, yeah. But now that you've said it, I'm like, oh yeah, they're clearly kissing. Mm. So it's, it's really weird. Like, it's also not a close up of the kiss. So like, it's very much like you. If you're not like attentively looking at every 
bit of that panel, you can totally miss it, you know? Yeah, well, thank you for defending my uh, lack of acknowledgement. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, be, I, better, Ian. be better. Yeah, be better. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, I guess, to sum up, it does end in a really ama- like perfect way where mm. Mongol is content on yeah. his uh, his planet. I love him. all the cameos as well in that page. Like Alan Moore is in, is himself on that page at one point as well. Is he? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the bit where like all the people are paying tribute. He's to him at the and, back. Yeah, he's at the back. I can see him. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. Ah, oh, <laughs> right. That you've made my day pointing that out to me. Yeah. That you freaked me out with the Superman and Diana kiss, but now you've made it up <laughs> yeah. to me by showing. That's great. There he is at the back, <laughs> looking kind of. Glum, like like normal, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> the, the, he could be on uh, Mongols like war planet. He could be walking down to Sainsbury's to get a sandwich. He's the <laughs> yeah. same. He's got the same energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I mean, is there anything you want to add at all, man? That we might have missed. Um, just read it. I mean, you know, I feel like it's a brilliant case to make for like why Superman remains to this day probably the best superhero because. It, he is such a human character um, and I think in a lot of ways Superman is a lot more relatable than characters like Batman or or whatever because he is just a normal person trying to do the right thing mm-hmm. and I think when, when writers overthink that and try and try and play with that, that's when it goes wrong you know, mm-hmm. Su- Superman is at his best when he is just a normal person trying to do the right thing yeah, and I don't know about you, but there have been plenty of moments in my life where doing the right thing has been really difficult. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that that is why Superman is a relatable character at the end of the day because he's just a normal guy. He's not informed by like massive trauma or anything. He's just a good person trying to do the right thing at the end of the day. You know. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't say it better, man. And I think that is why Superman is and will remain my favorite character of all time because when he's written like this, mm. he is just exemplary as a literature as not just a character on the page but just a character in all of literature and yeah. he is exactly what you've said and I can't really sum it up better he is human and when people try and do something else with that and mm. you always see like interesting oh this is going to be a new take on superman I'm like I don't yeah. need a new take on superman I just no. need superman and you know what I think that's why I liked so much the rebirth superman with, with um Mm. with where he's got a son jonathan yeah because i feel like it was a, such a brilliant way to to grow the character in a new yeah. direction without sense, changing the the dyna- without changing the dynamic of the character you know yeah yeah and it makes sense like why what where's the na- natural progression is yeah. him becoming a father isn't it and i, I yeah. think we were talking about you know earlier we were talking about adaptations of superman we briefly talked about man of steel i think yeah. that's why man of steel for me is flawed because it comes close to showing a superman who's human Mm. but then he does stuff that i just think is inherently not superman so like him destroying that guy's truck him stealing clothes an easy thing to make it more superman would be him taking the clothes but then bringing them back cleaned ironed and apologizing (laughs) that would be so great that would have been great right that's just a little thing that would have really made sense for him as a character um but People just kind of miss the point that, yeah, he has these infinite powers, but he is a honorable and noble person trying to make their way in the world and making the right choice, not because he's yeah. a Boy Scout, but because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I agree with you, and I couldn't sum it up better. I think you're you're, and I tried to, and it yeah. now sounds terrible. <laughs> that, that's that's why I like Superman and Lois is just such a fantastic adaptation at the moment because mm. it really like you see Superman as just like a human character, you know, like he moves back to Smallville with his family mm-hmm. and there's a scene where like the harvest festival is coming along mm-hmm. and his kids are like, Oh, what are we doing in this town? And he's like, no, no, no. Harvest festival is great. They got corn dogs. They got this. And he's like, <laughs> so excited about this local event. And it's, it's just like really nice. And yeah. Another scene where he's sat with his uh, kids talking and uh, it comes up that um, they're like, Oh dad, have you ever been with anyone other than mum? And he's like, no, no, your mum was kind of my first proper girlfriend and, and, you know, then I married her and I wouldn't want anyone else. And then his two sons look at each other like, what a nerd. And just start (laughs) laughing about him, you know? Like, it's just relatable and funny and yeah, it's it's a great show. Yeah, Read this, go watch that and listen to the podcast. These are the three things you have to do with your life. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks, Andrew, for for being here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, it's been awesome. And we will do more together. I'm sure you and Alex and, uh, well, other people we know would love to come on to talk about sex criminals, um, which is going to be our next... The comic, not not, not anything else. (laughs) No. But again, after the podcast, after the podcast. Yeah. Um, no, like that's our next one. We're going to be doing volume three. Um, so I'd love to have you guys on maybe that if you'd like Sounds to. Um, that's in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned, everybody. And uh, keep tuned as well for the Phantom Zone special, which is going to be with UK Film Review. We may well do the Zack Snyder one. We'll discuss that off air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we will let you know. Just keep it, your eyes peeled. But yeah, thank you for listening. Follow us on our Instagram as well, the Phantom Zone. Andrew, you also have an Instagram, I believe, for your art. Is that right? Yeah, at Staler Comics, S-Z-T-E-H-L-O Comics. Definitely go follow him. His art is amazing. And I can't wait to see uh, Chimpanzee with a razor blade. Razor blade? Yeah, razor yeah. blade. Can't, can't wait to read it. <laughs> I really, I've, I've been seeing bits of it over time and it looks great. And uh, uh, yeah, it's the script is great. Tim is just such a brilliant writer. Um, does and, Tim have an Instagram as well? Yeah, uh, at Tim Vargulish Chow. Um, awesome awesome yeah he's he's well worth a follow he's bloody hilarious like every wednesday when he goes to the comic shop on twitter he just posts the same picture of daredevil driving a car um (laughs) and it's it's just brilliant yeah love it he's he's a great collaborator all right awesome fantastic well thanks everybody for listening thank you andrew for being here and yeah we will catch you next time so thanks everyone and bye bye